0: word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is like the Lord walking in and we stand and respond and respect. Amen. What we said when we go to court, they said the judge is about to come in the honorable so-and-so-and-so. Will you rise? And everybody rise to the judge. Honorable, honorable, honorable. But Jesus cannot be compared with anyone. So, shouldn't be a big thing to stand for the Lord. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Amen. Matthew chapter 19. Hallelujah. am going to pick up in verse 16, and I'm going to read verse 16 through 22, and then skip down to 25 through 26. When you're there, say amen. 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 Let's start in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. The scripture says, and... Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? As to say, which commandments? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. what lack I? man this dude was pretty good. Jesus said unto him, if thou will be perfect. Go and sell that thou has and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. When, when the, when the scripture says if thou will be perfect, it's not talking about what we understand as being perfect because none of us in here will ever be perfect. But it's saying if you want to be complete in Christ, that's what it's saying. If you want to be whole in Christ, then Sell all your goods, give to the poor, and come and follow me. 22 says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Somebody say sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jump down to 25. When his disciples heard it, they were exceeding amazed, exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? 26, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. First moment today, I want to preach to you on this topic the impossible is possible. The impossible is possible. With man, These things are impossible. Me and you, there's some things that's just impossible to us. But that's us. And the good news is, we've got God. But he can make everything that's impossible. You may be seated. The young man had lived an upright life an honorable and religious life, but he felt that there was something lacking yet. There was a void in his heart, a yearning which he could not satisfy. Can I just pause and tell you this? Religion cannot satisfy you. Religion cannot satisfy you. This young man had religion. As a matter of fact, he had religion better than many people that have religion because he obeyed the commandments of what Jesus ran down. Did you do this? Did you do this? He said, all those things I have done, what do I lack? So this young man was religious, but as religious as he was, he knew there was something still missing in his life, religion can't save you. Religion still leaves you empty. Religion still leaves you void and still have you at a place where you're saying "Eh, I know that God is real and I go to church and I pray but something is missing. Don't get quiet on me. Religion can't help us. Religion just gets us to be people with good behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good master, he said, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? That was the question. I believe that we all need to ask that question to Jesus. Good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? He thought apparently that eternal life might be earned by some noble deed. Tony, when we become good people, and that's what we rest our religion and our beliefs on, just being good people, we're going to always think, if I could just do a little bit more good, then I'm going to be all right. If I can just be a little bit better, then I can be all right. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how good you are, how much better you can do, if it's religion, it won't help you. Won't help you. Somehow, in all his religious rituals, there's many people today that are living a religious ritualistic life. We're just doing things. When I say religious, it means that we're living the do's and the don'ts. We, 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 we carry ourselves to say, well, I better not do that. Well, I, and we, we grade ourselves without even saying it, but that's how we carry ourselves. We grade ourselves like, okay, I did my good today. I went to church today, so I did one of my religious rituals. And so, Without even understanding or thinking, we just continue to pile on the religious rituals. And we allow these things now to become the, 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 the things that govern our life to say, Hey, I'm saved. Hey, I'm living for God. But, but this guy was a good dude. Many of us can't say yes to everything that Jesus asked him. Many. So he was outdoing us religiously. So here, the Lord Jesus is trying to help this guy, this really nice guy. He's a nice guy. The Lord was trying to help this guy get eternal life. So we asked him, has he kept the commandments? Now, Jesus didn't ask him, have you kept the commandments? Because Jesus didn't know. Remember, Jesus Christ is almighty God in flesh. And so when he said, have you kept the commandments, he knew whether or not the dude kept the commandments or not. So he was asking him why. He was asking him, did he keep the commandments just so the young man could examine his heart for deficiencies? Doesn't matter who we are. Every day we're supposed to examine our heart for deficiency. Because we know we're not like Jesus. We're not perfect. We got issues. And no matter how things look to be in our life, there is always deficiencies. And if we ignore them, then we will continue like this young man living a religious life, but never really living a godly life. And so the Lord was trying to help him. And so the Lord said to him, have you kept the commandments? Not because the Lord didn't know if he kept them or not, but so he can begin to start. The young man can start to examine his life to say, is there something wrong with me? Because you know when you've been doing okay and you felt like you've been doing okay. And somebody said, have you done this? Children, you know all about it. Have you done so? And you know you've done it. Now you're wondering, did I? Because you knew you did. Everything you were supposed to do, but if someone is asking you, did you, now it makes you say, oh, maybe I need to rethink this. Did I do it? So Jesus only asked him that question so he would begin to examine his life. So he asked him that so he can get on the track of, start saying, well, let me look at myself and get out of the behavior of religion. That's why he asked him that. He didn't want him to be religious because religion can't save you. You don't get to heaven through religion. You get to heaven By what the word says. So he challenged him. The Lord challenged him. Noticed the commandments Jesus asked him, has he kept. Now we all know there's ten commandments, right? Ten commandments. Jesus asked him about six of the commandments. (laughs) Boy, Jesus is something else. So Jesus said to him, right? Has thou, you know, did, did, did thou, thou shall not do murder. Did you murder? Thou shall not commit adultery. Did you commit adultery? Thou shall not steal. Did you steal? Thou shall not bear false witness. Did you bear false witness? Honor thy father and mother. Did you do that? Uh, thou shall, uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. He says, man, I kept all those things. So he did start to examine himself a little bit because he said to Jesus in response, yeah, I've kept those things. Is there something that I'm missing here? I'm just giving you our terminology. He says, what lack of I? So we would say, hold on. All the stuff you name, I do. What am I missing here? Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's how it went. But Jesus is always trying to help us. The last six commandments, the way our God has laid out the commandments, the last six commandments have to do with us. And fellow man, us and fellow woman. So the last six is what Jesus asked him about. This is telling you something. He's been looking at being a good guy, trying to come across as a good guy with people. Because he nailed the six, the last six commandments. Commandments. The last six commandments is about you and your fellow man. It's about how we behave ourselves with each other. How we treat each other is the last six commandments. But Jesus didn't touch the first four. Jesus know what he's doing. Because again, what is this all about? Jesus is trying to get the guy to get eternal life. And if you really think about eternal life in our natural mind, that's impossible. But with God, it is possible. And when we start to think of eternal life as some natural phenomenon, and when we start thinking about eternal life like it's just, oh, by the way, when we start thinking about eternal life like that, we're going to miss it because eternal life is miraculous. Eternal life, nobody can give it to us except for the eternal God. It is a miraculous phenomenon. And so we just can't take lightly eternal life because you can't, Make yourself have eternal life. Only God can help you to get eternal life. Somebody say amen. Amen. So let's look at the first four commandments Jesus left out. Jesus didn't ask him, Thou shall have no other God before me. Jesus didn't ask him that. Jesus asked him about the last six, just him and his peoples. Jesus didn't ask him about Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Jesus didn't ask him. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. Jesus didn't ask him, did you keep the Sabbath? Jesus didn't ask him for. Because the first four commandments is between man and God. That's how the commandments are set up. This is why God comes before us. The commandments are set up. The first four, us, and God or you make it personal, you and God, and the next six is about you and your fellow man. We always reverse it, and we lose that every time. I can never treat you well as a brother, as a sister, if I am not obeying the first four commandments. We try to reverse it and try to live by the six commandments, the last six, and thinking that we're trying to let people see that we're good. Just like the dude did. We we, we live the six commandments or try anyway to live the six commandments so we can say, look at me. But it means nothing if we don't live the first four. You can live the last six commandments and never get to heaven, but there's no way to live the first four and not get to heaven. Yes, 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 yes. So, so that's what was going on here. Jesus was trying to rescue this young man to say to him, listen, you're doing stuff that's, that's good and that's right, but you're doing stuff unto people. You're forgetting about me when you do what God tell you to do, what we said last year, last week or week before,
1: partial
0: obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedient. So me keeping the last six commandments and not keeping the four, God is still not impressed. If he gave ten, he wanted the ten to be kept. Not, not some of them and leave out the others. And so he was trying to get this young man to obey all the commandments, not the six that he chose. And so, the Lord didn't ask him those, but we know what those are. And those are the commandments that gets us right so we can be right with each other. You want to know? It's just so easy. It's 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 elementary. It's so easy. Every issue in our life that we don't handle right have to do with, we're not in right relationship with God. When we come in right relationship with God, if I tell you off right now because I'm angry, if I'm in right relationship with God, I'm coming back to you in a little bit and saying, you know what, I was out of control, I was overwhelmed with just madness, and I said some wrong things. Uh, Brother, will you forgive me, please? That's when I'm in right relationship with God. But if I'm not in right relationship with God, I tell you off and keep walking, and I walk far from you, and I never talk to you, and I try to avoid you.
1: God is interested in us keeping the first four commandments because if we do those four, we will do the, le- the next six.
0: But we tend to focus on the next. Ooh, he stole. That's how we do. Man, he stole. He was in that robbery they did the other day. That's big. And we ignoring that we... Have not served the Lord as the only God. We we have made other things gods to us. Mm-hmm. We've taken His name in vain. Yeah yeah yeah. We, we've done those things and 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 we we don't we don't set aside time for the Lord and time for us to rest and just relax in the Lord. We we just we just trying to impress each other. I don't want you catching me in a lie. That, that, that's more important to us than us making God our God. Uh-huh. L- look at that. I- I'd rather you not catch me in a lie than really living for God. We're, no, we're not really different from this young man. We, we try to look at it when we read and say, man, what's up with that dude? But if you stop and really start paying attention, we, we, we may be a lot more like him than not like him. Hmm. Jesus responds to the young man when he when he says, "All those commandments I've kept from my youth. What do I lack?" Jesus responded to him. Okay, I can just see it. Okay, okay. But if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete in me, if you want eternal life. Me treating you good won't give me eternal life. Me, 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 me being nice to you don't give me eternal life. Me, me giving to the poor don't give me eternal life. We're supposed to do it. But it don't give me eternal life. This is why, uh, we mistake sometimes being good as opposed to being godly. I want to be godly because if I'm godly, I will be good. But hear this,
1: I can be good and not godly. I don't want to be
0: good and not godly because being good and not godly won't get me to heaven. But being godly will make me good and that will get me to heaven. Somebody hear me this
1: morning. It's about being godly. It's not about being good. Yes, we're supposed to
0: be good to one another. But the first thing is first and that is we must be godly. Yes. He says, if you want to be godly, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and thou shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, let me clear this up real quick so nobody runs out to church. and's like, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm just not going to make it. God is not telling you to sell your nice car. God is not telling you to downscale and get a two-bedroom and get rid of your nice house. (laughs) God is not telling you you can't have a car, a motorcycle, and an SUV. God is not telling you you can't take a nice vacation and live good. He's not telling you that. He's not telling you that you know you're making too much money on your job, so you gotta get a different job and make less. He's not telling you that. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. That's not what he's telling you. Sell all that thou have, give it to the poor. What God was really saying to him is what the statement points out is commandment number one, commandment number two, commandment number three, and commandment number four was wrapped up in the statement God made. When he's told him, go sell, give it to the poor, and come and follow me, that talks about the relationship he's supposed to have with the Almighty God. That's what he was talking about. He wasn't worried about his stuff. He wasn't worried. Now, the dude might have been worried about his stuff, but God wasn't worried about his stuff. God not be trying to be mean to him. Sell your stuff. You got too much stuff. No, 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 no. The stuff. Made him think about people because he probably had to impress people. That's why he had his stuff. So the stuff got him connected to people and disconnected from God. And God is always trying to get you And me to make sure he is at the center of our life. That he is our everything. Because he has made us his everything. I told you today, real relationship is not about one wanting more than the other. Real relationship is, I love you more than you love me. I'm sorry. I love you more than you love me. And you're saying the same thing. That's real. That's what God intended. In case we don't know that, marriage... Children, family, whatever it is, friends, whatever it is, real relationship is about loving. Listen, the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The Bible also said we must prefer each other over ourself. The Bible is not trying to... The Lord and the, the the word His word is not trying to get you to 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 overdo and everybody else underdo. No, everybody. The Bible is written to you, not to me. How did I clean that up? When you read the Bible, don't read it for nobody else. Read it for you. So when the Bible says prefer your 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 friend, your neighbor over yourself, then you do that, and the other person that reads the Bible is telling them the same thing too. So how we're supposed to operate, I prefer you, and you prefer me, and we're just going to have a good time because guess what? We're both preferring each other. I guarantee you, you want to find out what marriages are successful, why they are successful? It's because of that statement. You love me more, and, 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 and the other person, no, I love you more. And we're going back and forth. That's, that's, that's the relationship that God desires from us, Brother Sam. That's what he desires because he's already shown us look i gave my life for you i gave it all up for you so i'm i'm already shown you and there's a text in the bible that the lord says we are the apple of his eye how much more you need to know about how much god loves you this is why we can say we can sing to him that we that he's everything it's all about him it's okay to sing that when we don't know God, we think that, what is he doing? It's all about him. Please, you know, in this world, we got to look out for numeral uno. That's how we are in this world. We have to look out for numeral uno, and we're going to sing some stuff about it. It's all about him. Oh, we, I give him a little something, but I ain't giving him everything. That's, that, and, 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 and that's just how we behave in our natural life, and that is coming over in us trying to be godly, that I'll give God something, but I ain't making it all about him. And God is saying, but I made it all about you. I'm Almighty God. You think I had to die? I'm Almighty God. You think I had to come out of heaven? I'm almighty God. You think I can to let people spit upon me and crucify me? I can do all things. The Bible says when he was up on the cross, he could have called thousands, legions
1: of angels to come and destroy everybody and get off that cross and walk. But he did not because he submitted. It wasn't because he could not get off
0: that cross. It was because he did not want to. That's why he didn't get off the cross. Me and you kept him on the cross. Yeah, we thinking it's other people kept him on the cross. We keep saying, oh, it's the Jews, they didn't like him and, and they made the Romans persecute. Him. Oh, no, it's me and you that kept him on the cross because of our sins, because we did wrong. He couldn't come off the cross because if he did, me and you would be dead and in hell. One of the things we talked about on Thursday night was this. You know, how we always say this. I think everybody needs to know this. We always say this that I'm living for God now. I'm living for God now. And that's a true statement. But I clarified it Thursday, what it means. When we said we're living for God, Brother Fox, that's a true statement. But we better understand what it means. What it means is, there was a time where God had to make a decision. The Bible says, if you sin, you shall surely die. That was, that was the rules God put in place when he created us. If you if you rebel against my word, if you do wrong against me, you're going to die. You're going to be like those angels that, that I set hell up for. That's, you're going to go with them because they rebelled, they got hell. If you rebel against me, you go to hell. And when we sinned because of his weakness for us, he held back. He said, man, I love them. And he made a way. And he made the ultimate sacrifice. What he said was, Here is the deal I'm going to make all of you. I can live and all of you going to have to die for all your sins and go to hell. And I live and sit on my throne in heaven and just whoever decide to do right, they come to heaven. And whoever decide to do wrong, too bad. I can do that. But I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to die instead of you. But because I die, it means I'm no longer going to exist in the earth. Only by spirit. So now you who are physical, I need you to live the life I would have lived if I didn't die and go to heaven. That's what I mean by living for God. You're living in his stead because he's no longer here for people to see him. So the only way people will know of him is when his children replicate him. Is when his children be the example that he was when he was here. So when we say that we are living for God, that's a true statement. But now you got to look at your life and say, well, Jesus do this. That's where we got that whole, what would Jesus do? Because you're supposed to be living the way he would live if he was not in heaven. Somebody thank God for that. We're living in his stead. So we choose to, to to surrender and and walk with God. We're living in His stead, and that's why we said, "I'm living for God now," because He's no longer here. He can't. He's not here walking this earth. He's not here doing His thing. So He has left me and you to do that for Him. We're in His stead. We're behaving in His stead. That's heavy right there. That's scary. Like God, none of us can do that with you. That is impossible. But with him, it is possible. That's why he sent back what we now know as the Holy Ghost, the comforter, because if you allow the Holy Ghost to fill your heart, if you receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you no longer have to depend on your abilities to do what God said you can do. You depend on him that's living inside of you. That's how we will accomplish these things that seems impossible. If they're impossible with man, that's all right. They don't have to be because if you have Christ in you, it can be possible. When we start walking around saying, I oh, don't know, well, you don't know because you're depending on your ability. But I know who can do it. And I just got to cling to him and submit to him and say, you do it. All right, moving along. The Bible said, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, say sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here's the heart of this message today. Common sense tells us that eternal life is way better than having abundance of material things. Is that true? Is there anybody that disagree with that? That, that, that if you're promised right now, if you're wealthy, wealthy and got stuff, and, and somebody come and tell you either you become just average, not poor, average, because God says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. So so you're not going to be poor. Because God is with you or you're with God. So he will supply everything you're, you need. So you won't be poor. You just won't be wealthy. And that's the deal that he's making you. You just will have what you need. But that's how you're going to get eternal life. But you can keep all the stuff you got and be rich and no eternal life. Who would do anything but eternal life? Anybody here? So I'm quite sure that young man that was so bright, I'm sure he understood that. That couldn't have been that complicated. Me and you can figure that out. Why didn't he figure that out? I and mean, I thought he was pretty smart. I mean, so why would that young man not make the exchange? Why wouldn't he say, Alright, won't we'll sell it, won't we'll give it. Why? What stopped him? The Bible says he went away. Sorrowful. Hmm. Oh, help me, Jesus. Why did he went away sorrowful? When he was promised treasure in heaven. God gave him the best investment plan. You know, we like to invest, make sure we're good in retirement. God gave him the best investment and retirement plan. He walked away from it. This 401k was better than anyone. This, 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 this social security was better than anything you know. This pension plan was better than anything you know. And he walked away from it. Man, we loud. Temporary stuff. Some of us gonna suffer in the, in in the physical as well. We, 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 we didn't do a good job putting away. We don't know what's gonna happen to social security. They don't know about all the other stuff that we're going to get our pension plan. We don't know how that's going to all work. And God gave this dude the real deal plan. Say, here you go. You can't miss on this one. I like what God said to him. Sell it and give it to the poor and you have treasure in heaven. Listen, you want treasure in heaven? You want treasure in heaven? Give stuff away. Give stuff away. This is why I'm trying my best to try to live that part of the scripture out. Because a lot of times we we, we look at different things, but we don't live the scripture out the way we need to. Give things away. Let the spirit of God move you to be a blessing to other people. Don't keep all your stuff to yourself. Give it away. God says when you give and you, you, you bless other people, he will bless you. Give. Let's not hoard it and keep it all for ourselves. Give. And so he said, you will have treasure in heaven. Best investment plan I've ever heard. There is always a return on our investment when we invest the way God said. Always going to be a return. It's not like this world system where we don't know what's going to happen when we retire. When we invest the way God says, we will experience a return. Hmm. And so... God told him what was to do and he went away sorrowfully, sorrowfully. So what's he's going to do now? I want you to think about what sorrow really means in the Bible. When you go through the Bible and you study this word sorrow, most of it comes down to this distress Sadness, grief, heaviness, grudgingly. Here is what I believe. I believe the young man was so overcome with sorrow, so overcome with distress and sadness and grief that he couldn't think straight. Because me and you can see the common sense in it. Like, why wouldn't he do that? And so I believe just the thought, just the thought of separation from all the stuff that he had gave him so much grief he couldn't think straight. (laughs) I'm going somewhere. For many of us, just the thought of giving our life to Christ and now probably won't have the same friends no more overwhelms you. For many of us, just the thought, I always do this, and you're telling me if I serve God, I can't do this no more. Just the thought, you haven't even tried, just the thought is giving you grief. I know what I'm talking about. We have not followed Christ because just the thought of what we have to do to follow Him has paralyzed us. Can I tell you this? Grief, distress,
1: sadness, it's all an emotion. And I got to tell you, if you go through scripture, you will see a lot of times uh, we have allowed our emotion to block what God is saying uh, and what God is offering. Uh, And I'm telling you today, uh, you can't let your emotion stop you uh, from giving your life to God, uh, from following him. Uh, You can't let the things you are familiar
0: with stop you from following him. This guy was attached to his stuff. This guy was attached to his life. This guy liked what was going on with him. He had a system going on. He kept all the six commandments of man. He was going good. And now the Lord challenged him. And he now got to stop and think. Whoa, 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 whoa. If I sell my stuff, people going to know I'm not rich anymore. If I sell my stuff and... And follow you, gonna, what are they gon', what they to think about me? I wear nice clothes. I'm looked upon as a, you know, good dude. I, I, I'm righteous. People are gonna think something is wrong with me if I do all of that. Ah, I don't know if I can do all that. And that's all that was in his mind
1: why he was overwhelmed by the words of the Lord and he went away sorrowfully because of the thought of what he had to give up.
0: That's where we are today.
1: We have more than we've ever had. There's a lot more going on in our life than has ever gone on. And so we want to fit Jesus in, but I can't give it all up for Jesus. I I I know that what God is saying is true, but, 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 uh, I don't know if I can do that. And so the sorrow, the distress, all the things, the sadness that comes over you in thinking that I got to change up my life from the way I used to live, how I used to live. I got to change it
0: all up just so I can get it. I don't know. That's what most of us are battling today. It ain't because we don't know Jesus is real. It ain't because we don't know he's the all-powerful God. It ain't because we don't know that heaven is real and hell is real. It's not because of that why we haven't followed the Lord. It's the distress. It's the emotion of what we will go through or what we think we will go through that make us stop short of following Jesus. Here's a scripture in John. Jesus told his disciples... I have to go away, but I'm going to send the comforter. And the scripture says, I think it's, uh, I'm not going to let you go there. I don't want to mess up your time. I think it's John um, 16 and 6 or something like that. And the scripture says, they was sorrowful. We always get attached to stuff. Now, it was good that it was attached to Jesus. But Jesus was telling them, don't you worry. You're going to live your life for me now and I'm going to send you help which is my spirit dwelling in your life so don't you worry even though I won't be here I'm going to be here just not in physical form and so when he told them that they said Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorrow filled their heart. Distress filled their heart because they money making machine. they good man that do everything for them is
1: getting ready to leave and they was worried about themselves. Every time you look through scripture, when God asks us to give something up, it's always an emotional thing and we let the emotion override or supersede what God is saying. We can't hear him because of our emotions. We can't hear him because of our distress and our sadness and what we got to give up. God is speaking but we can't hear
0: him or we won't hear him. We're not hearing him because once he makes the proposal to us, we start saying, oh man I usually, let me tell you something. I'm getting near. Um, Flight attendants get ready for landing. Um I remember, before I started living for God, Sunday mornings i get up, and that's after partying hard Saturday night, right? So I would get up Sunday morning, and I'd get the newspaper. Every once in a while, I would take my oldest son. I don't know if you remember, but every once in a while, I would take him. Other times, I won't. But I would go to um, International House of Pancake, open up my paper, and I would begin to go down to football spreads, Y'all probably don't know what I'm talking about. But I start going down and reading the paper, seeing the spread on the football game. Who's favored, who's not favored, who's getting points, who's not getting points. Because I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to bet on. I'm sipping my coffee, eating my omelet, and just chilling, reading my newspaper. I did that till about 11 o'clock. Then I went home and watched Countdown. Y'all, I don't know if y'all know, but some of y'all know and I watch Countdown with Chris Berman and Tom Jackson and all of them and okay they telling you then about 12.30 I call the bookie because I done figured out everything listened to everything I call the bookie I want to put 100 on this one I want to do this parlay and I'm running it down hang the phone up then I go get my case case of beer or a 12 pack of Heineken and then I put that in the fridge and nobody mess with me I sit on the couch I'm checking out all the games And I do that till about 11 o'clock at night because they didn't even have the Sunday night game yet. I think what happened was, I'm not sure if they had the Sunday night game yet, but I just know that after all the games, Chris Berman and them came back on and started talking about everything else. And they do all that. And then about 11 o'clock, somebody either blow their horn, somebody knock on my door, get dressed, and Sunday nights is ladies' nights. So we go to Philly. We go where we got to go, where the ladies are. And I do my thing. And then Jesus get involved. I got to give all of that up. That's what I do on Sundays, God. you talking about church? And when I started going to church, I had morning service and night service. So that's messing up my whole flow. But thank God I didn't allow distress, Tony. I didn't allow sorrow to get in my heart so badly that I started thinking, man, I can't mess up this routine. I'll go to church sometime, but I can't live for God because this is what I do. I'm glad I didn't do that. Then
1: I used to work three jobs on top of all of that.
0: And I had to give up some jobs. Jesus was just working me over, but he didn't force me. He just presented stuff. I remember when we was going into Y2K, I had three jobs. And I felt like the Lord says, if you want more of me, you're going to have to do something about these jobs. And I quit two of them, Foxy, and kept the one that paid me the least. But that's the one that allowed me to go to church the most. I'm just saying, I had a little distress. Let me show you where I'm going and then we'll just close shop up. Check this out. Let's look at um, this definition here. The Bible talks about sorrow. Listen to 2 Corinthians 7 and 10. I didn't give you all that scripture this morning. Sorry, the Lord just dropped that one on me. But 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Look at this. Godly sorrow moves us To repent of our sins, which will eventually produce joy in our life. Godly sorrow. Listen to this. But worldly sorrow, on the other hand, which is what the young man experienced, does not take us beyond remorse. It only causes us to have deep regrets, but never change. So here's what I'm telling you. There's godly sorrow, and there's worldly sorrow. There's godly distress, and there's worldly distress. There's godly sadness, and worldly sadness. God gave us these emotions for His purpose. And we have allowed the purpose of the world to creep in. So now what we're doing is we're allowing worldly sorrows, worldly distress, which we know only cause us to have remorse. But we never stop going in that direction. That's what this young man did when he had the worldly sorrow. He, he man, but I just got to go my way. But when you have godly sorrow, I guess is what I had what made me stop doing all that. I stopped there and said, oh, man, I don't want to. I don't want to not please God. I don't. I want to not please God. I got to get my life right, and so that became the the godly sorrow. That's the godly sorrow that made me say, "I need to, I need to do right by God." I, I want to watch football. I want to go to ladies' night, but 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 I gotta I gotta do right by God. I, I remember I remember one of my um when God was working on my heart real hard. You might have heard the story before, but just hear it one more time. I remember we used to go to Virginia Beach every year around Labor Day, and and God was working me hard. He was just I don't know. He was just just working on me. I still got to say yes to him but I was he was working me hard and man you know we used to have a whole bunch of cars lined up on West State Street about 10 cars everybody got a nice car and we would drive from there all the way to Virginia Beach I remember the first time I met Nicole on the phone I said to her you want to come to Virginia Beach with me I remember I was talking to her on the phone I never saw her or nothing let me give you some of y'all that story so this is how I met Nicole right I was working at the job I'm working today in 1996. I think the first year I was working on it. And because I wasn't really living for God, I started going to church in 1996. Didn't get saved. But I got saved um, that next year, 1997. So, But I was going to church 1996. And so I remember I was at my job, right? And I answered the phone. We work for the surcharge billing office. Answered the phone and my wife was on the other end, didn't know her or anything, and so I'm giving her all the information about what she need to do to get her license right. Her license was suspended, so I'm giving, her, I'm giving. Her. <laughs> so I'm, I'm giving her all, I'm giving her all the information right. How she got to get her license restored? And so we we talking normal, we talking normal, and then 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 she she hollers something to her sister in Jamaican. I said, "Ooh, she's Jamaican." <laughs> so I said. Oh, you're Jamaican. So I started talking with my Jamaican accent now. And so we started hitting it off. Now, this is how long a time ago that was. I said, well, let me get your number. She gave me a beeper number. <laughs> beeper number is what she gave me, right? So I gave her my beeper number, too. So she called me. No, how did it go? Oh, I tried to call her. You know, nothing going on, you know. So finally, she finally hit me back. I said, "Hey," and then, you know that's when we started talking. Yeah, "Won't you come to Virginia Beach with me and all that stuff?" She said, "Nah." She was one of them slick Jamaican girls trying to think she was getting something out of me, right? So she was trying to set me up. So I said, would not you come to?" She said, "Nah, I'm good." Because she's smart. She, you know, I ain't going down there with him. Because you know, if I go down there with him, I'm uh. so so. That's how she was dropping it. So I'm just like, "All right." I said, "Well, you know, we we've been talking. Send me a picture so I can see what you look like." And I send you a picture so you can see what I look like. I wasn't planning on sending her no picture. She sent me her picture, so I had her picture now. So now she's mad because she never got a picture from me. So now she had to come see me. That was psychology. That was good. That's what I did. I didn't send her my picture, but I had hers because now she got a choice. Knowing that I'm walking around with her picture and I can see her anywhere where she is and she won't know who I am. So she had to come. That's old school me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm delivered. I'm set free. <laughs> those, those are the things. That's why I can, I can relate to any one of you in here. If you wasn't born in Jesus, I can relate to you. Because you probably got some similar stories like I do somewhere. Don't act like you was all good. All, all of us got some stories. But we're trying to do the right thing this morning. That's why we're in church hmm. Amen. I'm, I, I hear over there, Sister Henry, she, she like, just, just, I'm glad I don't want to think about my past. Just leave it where it is. I hear Sister Henry. Every once in a while I talk about mine so I can see what God did for me and how God brought me through. Because I was just, just on my way to you know what. And God snatched me. I allowed godly sorrow to work in my life and not worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow don't help us. What am I trying to tell you today? Don't let worldly sorrow get in into your heart because worldly sorrow, don't let anything change in you. Worldly sorrow keep you where you are. You can acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. You can acknowledge that there's a heaven. You can acknowledge all these things, but worldly sorrow make you stay right where you are. This is the challenge that we have today, that people know that God is real. People know that there's going to be a rapture one day. People know that God is coming back one day. We know all of that, but just somehow we can't get out of where we are and where we are why. It's because of worldly sorrow. It's not godly sorrow. We got to begin to let godly sorrow stir us because that's when we change. And so, the wheels are touching. The circumstances of life prevent us from saving ourselves. We can't save ourselves. Tell you maybe you can't save yourself. I love how we like to say I'm going to go to church. I'm just trying to get it together. Let's see if you ever get it together. You ain't never going to get it together. This is why you got to go to church because God is going to get it together for you. With you, it is impossible. But with God, it is possible. This is why we're talking about this morning. The impossible is possible, but only with God. Yes. And so we're caught up in the circumstances of life. Rich people, they 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 have their wealth, and that just keeps them back. I went to, okay, I tell you all everything. I went to banana. I went, I went to Banana Republic um, yesterday. My son gave me some um, some coupons. They had fifty percent off. That's the only time I'm going there because that's not even my store. But if I'm going to spend a little bit of change, I got to get fifty percent off. So I went there, and I was just watching the rich people. Can I let you in a secret? So when rich people Check this out if you want to see. When rich people go shopping, they do everything like they own and control everything. When me and you go shopping, we just try to buy our stuff and get out of the way. And I'm standing in line, like, waiting, and I just watch the rich people. Hold on. They, they take, like, 15, 20 minutes to check out because they just trying to control everything. I watch, I watch the late and, uh, and they, well, take that off my card and they just going through all kind of stuff I'm like don't we just pick stuff up in here because you already know what you were doing when you were just going through the store right so by the time you get to the register you know what you're doing right that's not how rich people work that's just me and you because we're not rich we don't understand that rich people get into the line and they can't help themselves they are always trying to be in control that's rich people they don't they don't think like me and you think they everything they do is almost like I'm gonna let you know I'm in Total control of the situation. You may be, you're the cash register. You, you work on a register, but I am Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so. This is how I roll. I watched it yesterday. I'm like, man. I'm always watching stuff. I'm like, man, God, this is crazy. And so rich people, yes, the Bible says it's hard for a rich man to get to heaven. Because you have control of everything because you've got resource. So it's hard for you. Poor people. We allow the cares and anxiety and oppression to cause us to not serve God. And then you have those of us that are, I guess you can call us middle class, that various distractions, fascinate, fascinations, and delusions have us captive. So everybody got their thing. You now, we like to point out a rich people thing, but everybody got their thing. So if you're rich, your your money make you just a little, just I'm in control. Nobody tell me what to do. If you're poor, you let distress and, and, and all this stuff bother you. And if you're middle class, you let delusion get into your way. Fascination with stuff. Distraction. We all got our vices. And the question is, will you allow the vices of worldly sorrow to control your life or will you let godly sorrow god allow us this to have this emotion not for us to stay in 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 distress but for us to realize that we need him and this is why we have this sorrow that worketh in us. is so we can realize we need God. And when we realize it, we will repent of our sins and call on the name of Jesus and say, God, I realize I need you and I don't want to stay in this situation. I want eternal life. Anybody want eternal life today? Anybody want eternal life today? Jesus Christ says if you want eternal life, forget about it. Don't let anything come before me. And now I want you to follow me. We can't be attached to emotions. Not, I'm not, I'm not even talking so much about the material things today because that's obvious. What I'm talking about today is your
1: emotion have held you captive from being liberated in the power of God, from having a way to have a relationship with Him and from your eternal destiny which is heaven. We gotta get loose and get free from the emotions
0: that we have that's captive, captivating us. It's the emotional thing. Listen, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, I don't touch stuff, but I'm going to show you something. It's all about emotion. Don't get quiet on me. Because I'm black, but here's how I look at it. Until I can get Jesus to reign in my life, I'll never do right. That's me, and I know I'm right. If we will be Christians, we realize it's not about Black Lives Matter. It's about when are we going to get right with God that we will do each other right. I've taken out the emotion out of it. If I didn't have God, I'm sure i would probably be in an uproar in some kind of way. But I've got God. And so I can't let worldly Sorrow to get in my life, and now I can't hear what's right. I just got to make my point. When when we have these emotional things that has overtaken us, we don't hear truth. We don't hear what's right. It's only the emotion that's ruling our life, and that's the word God want me to help you with today is
1: get out of the emotional state that's controlling you, that's ruling you. Because when you get emotion, it don't turn you towards God. It gets you to go in the wrong direction and. Make Many of us are tied up in emotion. Many
0: of us are tied up in all these different feelings that we have and it's killing us. Ain't material things. We can get whatever we want. We're comfortable. We're used to material things. But our emotion needs to be a, an emotion of godly sorrow. Sorrow. God is trying to help us to come out of emotion. I've got emotion just like you do. And all of us have emotion. God gave us that. But so we can realize when we're without him uh, that we will turn from our wicked ways and turn to him and say, God, I need you. That's why we have the emotion. Not for us to let it control us. Emotion is controlling us. It controlled the rich young man. That's, that, that's what I'm bringing to you today. The emotions that the young man had was worldly emotions. It wasn't a godly emotion, and it caused him to stay where he were and watch Jesus walk away, and he never obtained eternal life. I'm closing with this. Stand with me. Here's where I'm closing. This is what I'm closing with. We cannot earn eternal life. Anybody know that? You can't earn eternal life. We must follow Jesus to receive eternal life. I'm going say it again because I think y'all ready to go before I was, you know. We cannot earn eternal life. Coming to church every Sunday, Bible study every Thursday, prayer meeting every Saturday, that don't earn you eternal life following Jesus is how you get eternal life when you follow Jesus you can't follow yourself at the same time does that make sense I can't I can't follow Jesus and follow myself either I follow him or I follow myself I can't do both following Jesus it's clear did we did we not read it this morning where it says if you want eternal life, sell your possession, give the money to the poor, And follow me. Didn't we read that? And it says, if you follow me, you'll receive eternal life. That's what we read. So it should be clear to everybody in this room this morning that the only way to get to heaven is follow Jesus, not do religious rituals. Now, will following Jesus make you come to church? Yes. Will following Jesus make you pray? Yes. Will following Jesus make you read your Bible? Yes. But you can do all of those things and not be following Jesus. So you now gotta say, am I following Jesus? If I want eternal life, am I following Jesus? Because that's the way, that's the only way to get eternal life. Matthew chapter 26. This is the last scripture. Verse 38. I want to show you the example Jesus has given us about godly sorrow. Here's the example. Matthew chapter 26. He's always our example and we need to always go to him and says, well, how do I handle this, God? Because I'm supposed to be living in your stead. How do I handle this? And in Matthew 26, verse 38, then said he unto them, Jesus talking to his disciples, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. I just paused there. Jesus had sorrow when he walked this earth. He had sorrow when he walked. So sorrow is not there to destroy you. He had sorrow when he walked this. He said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful,
1: even unto death.
0: Tarry ye here and watch with me. Verse 39, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. That's the example he has given us of how you deal with sorrow. So when you're going through, when your emotions kick in, when when, when when you feel bound by the things that you touch and see and feel, when you feel bound by those things and don't want to let them go, there's nothing wrong with that feeling. It's not wrong. Jesus was there and, man, this stuff is tough. But, he can make the impossible possible. And he showed us the example. First thing he says, not my will. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. What he did was, he said, I need strength. I, I, I need strength, Tony. Because this is rough that I'm going through. I got distress and sadness. I'm grieved. And this is rough that I'm going through. But he prayed to the Father that he will receive strength. The only way you overcome your grief is by calling on the name of the Lord and say, God, I can't seem to get a hold of you. I can't seem to... To to just leave those things that I've been used to in my life. I can't seem to do right. God, why am I so attached to my emotions? Why am I so attached to the things that are tangible? And I can't seem to get past them. And I can't seem to grow in you. I can't seem to give my life to you. People come to church and they hear, will you give your life to God today? And in their mind they said, yes, I want to give my life. But they don't do it. I remember before I gave my life to God when I came to church, they would ask every Sunday, is there anyone that want to give their life to God? And every Sunday I hear it, I would say, I'm going to do it, 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 I'm going to do it. But I don't know how long, how many Sundays went by before I finally did it. But the bottom line is, What would have happened to me? And while I keep telling myself I'm going to do it, but I never did it, something would have happened to me and I died. I wasn't going to heaven. Wasn't going to heaven. So putting off stuff, that's your battle that you're having with your sorrow. You're you're battling. That's why you put it off. And so now the question is, who's going to win the battle? With you, you'll never win the battle. With God, you will win the battle. And so the way to get past that struggle is today to call on the name of the Lord and say, God, I'm not doing well at this battle. The sorrow of this world has captivated me and I can't seem to break free. Will you help me and be sincere about it? Today, I offer to you, if there's anyone here that has never given their life to the Lord, just like that young man. Jesus said to him, if you will have eternal life, follow me. Follow me. If you're here and you're ready to follow Jesus so you can have eternal life, there's no other way to have eternal life. There's no other remedy. There's no method to have eternal life but to follow Jesus. And if you're here today and you would like to follow Jesus so you can have eternal life, just slip your hand up. You're here today? Amen. We got one that want to follow Jesus. He just slipped his hand up. If there's somebody else that want to follow Jesus... Just slip your hand up. We got one more in the back. Amen. We got two that want to follow Jesus. Brother Sylvester, you come on. You come on. I'm going to pray for you both. Two men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to point your right hands towards these men. I'm going to pray for them because they want to follow Jesus. They know eternal life come through them following Jesus and not by some remedy, not by some method. Father, in the name of Jesus touch these young men. They were young men just like that young man we read about today, Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that no weapon right now as I pray, I stand between them and every weapon that will form against them. And I pray, Lord God, that you uphold them and keep
1: them. Oh God, we thank you for two men that's been. I want to give my life to God. I want to follow you. And I'm not going to let my emotions get in the way. Today, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that the power of God will destroy every yoke and bondage and sin. And that, God, you will liberate their minds, their heart today, Lord Jesus. I pray that the power of God will undergird them and uphold them. I pray in the name of Jesus that your will be done in their life. Father, touch them in this. Special way, Father, touch them in a mighty way. Oh God, I pray that they will experience the blessings of God, that they will experience the peace of God, that they will continue to experience godly sorrow in the name of Jesus. Thank you for them today, Lord God. Thank you for what you're doing in their life. Thank you for the things that you will use them to accomplish in the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father. Have your way. Father, have your way. I thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your kindness, your mercy, and your love touch them, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray, and I ask that you'll bless this church and we will grow in you that we will follow you, that we will not be bound to our emotions but we will be our children Oh God that will follow you, that will surrender to you, that will obey you Lord Jesus. With us it is impossible but with you, God it is possible Jesus, we love you Jesus we love you Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Will somebody just lift their hand and surrender to Jesus? Two more minutes and we will be gone. But will you just thank God today? Will you just pray to him and tell him to set you free from your emotions? To set you free from worldly sorrows? To set you free from all the things that have your bounds. Jesus, have your way today, Lord God. None of us will walk out of here the same. That none of us will leave you the same. That none of us, Almighty God, will leave without knowing what we must do. <laughs> oh, you fellow. Jesus, have your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, you're all we need. Jesus, you're all we need. Have your way, Lord God, have your way, have your way, have your way. Have your way. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's right. Go ahead and worship Him. Go ahead and worship Him. Go ahead and give Him the praise. It's all right. Give Him the praise. It's all right. Give Him the honor. Give Him the glory. He's your God. He's your God. He loves you. And He has told us we're the apple of His eye. He loves us. Jesus, have your way. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible.